0: So two weeks ago, Pastor Dustin um, shared with us the word for the year at the bridge, and our word for the year is? Obedience. obedience. Awesome. And last week, Pastor Steve shared with us um, either kissing sisters or cousins or something, I don't know, um, that faithfulness, fa- you had to be here, uh, faithfulness is... is. Um, we have to be faithful to be obedient. Uh, we must faithfully be obedient uh, to do this as we go into the year. And I'm going to kind of stay in that lane a little bit, a little different, but, but still in that lane, because um, who knows that when you are obedient, and you do truly give your life to Christ, and you say, hey, I want your plans, uh, you're kind of good at what you do, Tell me why you created me and what I'm to do. Life can get quite adventurous, yes. right? We, um, when we have it all in control, we know what's coming. When we give it to Him, it can get it can get to be adventurous. And um, what I really want to focus in on, though, is how adventurous it can be when we're living life with others through connections through relationships, how our life becomes this journey with others, and how fun that can be, and how awesome that is, and how important it is. My core scripture for today is in Matthew 22. We've, we've shared this many times here at the bridge because it is uh, what makes up the first two portions, two statements within our mission statement. It's the great commandment. So we're in Matthew 22, verse 36. Um, We've got a a Pharisee um, challenging Jesus, trying to test Jesus. Um, Not a good idea. So anyway, teacher, he says to Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law, the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For today, I'm going to title this message Expanding the Neighborhood. Expanding the Neighborhood. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for just being a part of your family, being a part of this ride, uh, this life that you have given us. It's such a privilege and, and an honor to be your child and to be considered your child. Lord, I pray that your will would be done here today, that Holy Spirit, you would speak through me, um, that your words would ultimately just be spoken that you would open our hearts and our minds to maybe see something differently today, that we would be opened up to a different thought or uh, a different path that we can maybe walk down and it would change maybe some behaviors and some actions and some thought processes. Help us today, help me today to deliver your word in your name we pray, amen. Now there's a difference between having connections and having those deep connections, those those true, deep connections. I see some of you already nodding your head with me, but these connections that go uh, down past the surface level, the, the connections that aren't just um, you see someone on Sunday at church and you say hello and talk for two minutes and then kind of on your way, but those connections that... You have people into your homes, and you get vulnerable, and you choose to trust someone with your life, right? And you begin to relate and connect with someone. The scripture says to love your neighbor as yourself. We know ourselves pretty good. I mean, we've lived our whole lives kind of knowing what's all going on in here, much more than anyone else knows, much more than we would we would choose to share, amen? We got some stuff going on in here. But to know ourselves that well, we've been doing it our whole lives. And so in order to get to know someone enough for this true, deep connection, it takes a little bit of time, it takes a little effort, it takes a little intentionality to be able to get past that surface level, to spend time together, to get to know one another. We, um, as probably all of you know, uh, or most of you, we, we moved to Charlotte. Um, I, I uh, take a lot of flack for that, but uh, we, we moved to Charlotte a couple of years ago. And when that was coming about and when we felt God pushing us in that direction, there was this um, excitement. I have been born and raised in St. Louis. Uh, this is all that I'm accustomed to. This is all that I know. And there was something um, about knowing that I was in God's perfect will, but also this new exciting like adventure we we're about to go on, and not knowing what's to come. But what also comes with that is a little bit of fear. Because again, I was born and raised here. My entire support system is here. And uh, my personality type is I I want, to, I want to hang, I want to relate, I want those connections. Like I need, I'm an extrovert in that way, I, I get energy off of you, okay? So going to a place halfway across the country where I know no one was, uh, you know, a little scary for me, and I wasn't accustomed to that, but we made the move, go out there uh, dad so graciously helped me in the hottest day on earth uh, move in. And so we get moved in. And the very next weekend, I'm like ready to plug into the church. I go, and I go to, uh, go through the class to start serving right away, like our activate class. Activate plug if you haven't already taken it. Get to activate. Get plugged in. But I, I joined a team. It's called the host team. And our sole responsibility was to welcome first-time guests. First-time guests came, parked, and we were right there pretty much as they got out of their car to walk them in and welcome them in. The first weekend I was there, I, our team welcomed 778 first-time guests that morning alone. And so um, we got to, I got a part of a team I got to know some people, we would laugh together, we'd have lunch together, we'd have fun. But I'd go home after that Sunday, and then I'd go all week, wouldn't talk to any of them, and we served every other weekend. So it would be two weeks before I saw them again, and then you know we got together, and hey, how's it going? You know, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't like a true connection. Until Tara went to her Activate class, And she met Jocelyn Jacob. Jocelyn and Tara got to talking. And Jocelyn says, hey, why don't you guys just come over to our house tonight? And unfortunately, schedules didn't line up. But the very next night, we were off to Jim and Jocelyn Jacob's house. And uh, I got to tell you guys, I pulled up to the driveway. And I remember this vividly. I parked, turn off the car, and I thought, this is awkward. Like, this is uncharted territory for me. I'm used to pulling up to people's houses, your houses, that I, I know. And this was, I'm pulling up to complete strangers' homes. And um, so anyway, pull up. The kids are, they could care less. They're just sprinting up to the front door, banging on the front door. We're here. I'm kind of lagging behind because I'm like, oh gosh, this is okay. Um, And so the door swings open and Jim Jacob answered the door with a big smile on his face, welcomed us in. And as soon as we walked through the doorway, Jim hugged Tara and he hugged me. Um, that was the very beginning of a close connection. Uh, I went from a foreigner in a new place to having a family right there, that connection, that connection, um... Little did I know, Jim was on the worship team, and Jim introduced me to a lot of the worship team, and little did I know, Jim liked basketball. And if you know me, I like basketball. Uh, Might be a problem, actually, but I like basketball. Um, So Jim introduced me to a whole new community of basketball buddies. I have more buddies now. Jim, I saw LeBron James for the first time live in person with Jim Jacob. And Tara, she had a whole new slew of girlfriends. She had a whole new community of girls that she got to live life with, got close with. And when Indy decides to break her arm and it looks like this, I didn't know what was going on, Um, Tara and I were able to run off to the ER because Jocelyn came and watched Lila and Roman. We didn't have to worry about them. We were able to focus in and be there for Indy. And when it's Tara's birthday and the electric gets knocked out of the house, it was Jocelyn that invited us over. And by the time we showed up, she had signs up and treats out to make Tara's birthday special. And when Jim and Jocelyn were considering adopting, they were able to ask us some questions. And when Jocelyn was going through some tough times because her mom had some health issues where it was kind of this roller coaster, we were able to reverse it and embrace her in those tough times. It's connections. It's real connections. And like I said earlier, I saw some of you not in your heads, and you know what I'm talking about those people that are your people, right? But I also think and believe that there are some of us in this room that might be starving for those connections, where you may be desperate to find the connection that I'm referring to. It may be weighing on you, you may be in your head about it, you may be wondering what's wrong with me you start i thinking it's an identity problem it's it's a me problem but i just i, I want to make sure that well actually before i even get into that i want to share with you i did some research on this because i think this is a big problem that we have as far as that feeling of loneliness and emptiness and hopelessness, right, and sadness that we have because we are longing for this deep connection that we we may not have. And so I wanted to share with you some of the research that I did, um, some characteristics that um, lonely people struggle with. They struggle with shyness because they have low self-esteem, they get self-conscious, I mean, I know how that goes. Super self-conscious can lead to anger to the point where you get just angry. What is wrong, right? And then it goes into mental and physical conditions. We isolate ourselves. We start going through depression. It even impacts our physical health, our immune system, starts being impacted. We may turn to substances. We get poor sleep, poor appetite. We're unhealthy, don't feel good. We may even get to suicidal thoughts that we have because we get to this place of loneliness and desperation for connection, and desperation for someone to just show them some love and care. I know I'm not talking to everyone in the room when I share those things, but I do believe I am talking to some, and I want you to know that this is a huge tool, a huge tool, that the enemy uses. I mean, you think about this. We're talking about issues of loneliness, but yet what we do and what the enemy gets us to do is to isolate ourselves. (laughs) It's like the exact opposite thing you should logically do. But when you are in that place and you don't have the self-esteem to put yourself out there, we isolate ourselves. The enemy uses this against us. And I want to tell you that God made you. God made you. God made you exactly how he made you. God doesn't make mistakes. Get this one: God made you in His image. So why do we beat ourselves up over our shortcomings? Comings? Focus on how God made you. Focus on the strengths that he gave you. Focus on who you are and how he made you. Be proud of how God made you. He did that on purpose. He did it on purpose, right? Focus on what he did and how he did it and how he made you because, listen, when you lean into that, it starts building up your confidence, Because, hey, I'm pretty good at this. It starts building up your self-esteem. And then you have the security to put yourself out there and to build connections to live life with other people. Amen? There's obviously benefits to connecting. Benefits. You're happy. You're healthy. I was just talking about the security that it gives you. It gives you security. You now have Encouragement from through those connections, Sam and Sue have been our main encouragers for the past few years. I thank you guys you don 't even know what that means to us. You have encouragement. you have people around you that can help. you have some help now you know physically we 've got a group of guys that We might as well just start our own moving company, right? We'll help you move from wherever you got to move. We'll physically help you mentally. Iron sharpens iron, right? We grow together. We mature together. We get smarter, more intellectual, more mature. Emotionally, emotionally, we're there for one another. If you need an embrace, I'm your dude. I'm a hugger. Just come, I'll give it to you, promise. Promise. Just be ready for it, because I'm coming. (laughs) Spiritually, you know, spiritually, we lift each other up. We edify each other in the church. We've talked about what the purpose is of the church. Part of that is edifying one another, right? Financially. Financially. Again, thank you for your generosity, because there's been time and time and time again that here at the bridge, we've been able to help those, even within our family, that need help financially, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your generosity and protection. I've been watching all of Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches and reading the transcripts and that that guy was he was blessed by God with a gift. He had a special, special gift. I can't, I can't watch a video and just not just be like, oh my gosh, this guy. He was amazing and God used him in an amazing way. And he talked about there's going to be a day where we can stand up for one another, where we can stand up and protect each other. Yes. You know, there's been a uh, few times, <laughs> that sounds bad. There's been times. <laughs> There's been times in my life where um, something happens, whatever it might be. I mean, it could be on the basketball court. It could be anywhere. There's been a few times where Dustin specifically, and I remember each of them, stood up for me. He stood up for me. He had my back. And it was one of those moments where it was like, no, this is like the real deal. I'm not playing. Don't mess with my brother. You know what I mean? And I can't tell you what that does on the inside of me when I've got someone having my back protecting me right? And through connections, we have protection. With connections, we have protection. Yes. My goodness, I'm a wordsmith, my Lord. <laughs> All of this, this doesn't, this doesn't make it easy, right? I mean, if it were easy, we wouldn't have the problems that we have. And Tara and I were talking through this, and uh, the whole message, and thank goodness for Tara, because she helped me through this this one, I'm not going to lie. Um, but she, she said, "I'm thinking of the Good Samaritan story." And so I'd like to go through this and kind of work our way through this quickly. Um, but let's go to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Again, we have a Pharisee trying to test um, trying to test. Jesus, sorry, I've got a different version here, so it threw me for a second. But on, on one occasion, an expert in the law, a lawyer stood up and tested Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, let's get to it. What does it take? And Jesus responds to his question with a question and says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Back to our core scripture. And so uh, Jesus responds saying, you have answered correctly. Now do this and you will live. You will receive the eternal life that he asked originally. And it was kind of like the lawyers left there like, well, uh, that was too easy. <laughs> he answered that brilliantly. Uh, so now what do I do? And, and how do I get past this? Because loving your neighbor as yourself is harder than it sounds. Amen? Can I get some nods on that? It's harder than it sounds. Sounds great. But doing it, it's harder than it sounds. So to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor Just like a lawyer, right? What's the loophole? (laughs) What's the loophole? So who is my neighbor exactly? And in reply, Jesus goes into the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, then stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same street. And let me give you a little bit of context here. Again, Jesus is talking, talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the Jews, okay? And so when they hear the priest is coming down the road, they're thinking, knight in shining armor, our guy, here he comes, he's one of us. Here he comes, he's gonna save the day. That's not what the story tells us, though. Went down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by him on the other side kind of like we do when we're in a rush and we see something, but we're like, eh, I got to get here, you know, can't, can't waste my time and mess up my agenda, right? And then a Levite, again, one of our own, the Levite, the relig- religious leader, here we go. He's going to save the day. He comes, comes down the place where the man is, saw him, passed on the other side they're starting to think, okay, where's this going? Because our guys, our guys are messing up here. Why are they not helping? And then Jesus hits him with, but a Samaritan. Now, let me tell you, a Samaritan is not a Jew, and Jews would refer to them as dogs. They didn't even see, they would dehumanize them, that they hated them. So Jesus goes into a story saying, but a Samaritan nails on a chalkboard for them. As he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. My translation says he had compassion. We need to show compassion toward one another. He took pity on him. He went put bandages on him, poured oil and wine on him, took care of him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, two days wages, and gave it to the innkeeper. said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. I'll take care of it all. Then Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers, and the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said the one that had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Moral of the story is the lawyers looking Who is my neighbor? Is it the one that lives next to me? You know, and who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus says, No, you are the neighbor. You are the neighbor. You choose to be the neighbor of those that you cross paths with. You are the neighbor. James 2, verse 8. Again, it goes into our core scripture here, but it has a little caveat after it. It starts with, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Just as our Good Samaritan story, there was some favoritism maybe shown here, right? And just in our lives, we have to be mindful of the same. We have to be mindful of the same. We can't just pick and choose those that we choose to be neighbors with, right? We must be neighborly to everyone around us. Amen, you guys with me on that? I have a a few challenges for us. So these these are your takeaways here. So if you need to write these down, please do. But number one, look for opportunities to connect. Look for opportunities to connect. Again, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. Just like the Samaritan was, he got outside of his own agenda. And he chose to go out of his way to help someone need in need, right? right? We have to be intentional. We have to get outside of ourselves and our own needs. In our link group, this last session, Becky spoke up and it made an impression on me. Becky spoke up and said, you know what? I'm going to be intentional with those that are in in the church that might be sitting by themselves ahead of time maybe maybe lonely and i'm going to go introduce myself and welcome them and have conversation she said because when i first came here someone did that for me and that is why i'm still here she said that's why i'm still here because i felt like i had a family i got connected right. she wanted to pay that forward Another thing along with this is if we're not intentional, time will slip by. And again, Martin Luther King Jr., I've got a few things that I have pulled from, from him this week, but he dispelled a myth in one of his speeches, and that is time will heal. Time will heal all things just on its own. Let time just run its course, and it will heal. And he said, no, that's not time is neutral. That's not true. Time is neutral. It can be constructive. It can be deconstructive. But time is neutral. It's up to us to be intentional. Don't be idle. Don't stay idle, but make a difference. No excuses. I had a basketball coach I shared with the ministry team this last meeting. I had a basketball coach that told me I showed up late at practice one time, started making my excuse. He cut me off and said, no excuses. You were late. I didn't like it at the time, but it it stuck with me my whole life now. No excuses. You didn't get it done. No excuses. Let's not be idle. Let's get out of ourselves. Let's look for opportunities to connect. Amen? Number two, be genuinely curious. Be genuinely curious. Ask questions. And then actually listen. Listen not so that you can formulate a good response. But listen because you genuinely want to learn and hear what they have to say. Like, as if we don't know everything and we could actually glean from someone else. Let's listen in that way. I see some smirks. Let's listen. Let's be genuine. Let's learn. That's how we're going to get closer. That's how we're going to build those connections. Be genuine. I, am. Uh, Tara and I—we don't get to see Grandpa, her Grandpa, very often, and uh, and I admire him. Um, just our our little—just uh, like I—I've got my grandparents here. What a treat! Um, I admire them. And I—there was one time we were just sitting around over a holiday, and I was like, "Here I am." He's born in 1929. He's got a few years in this thing. Maybe I can learn something from him. <laughs> so I start asking him some questions. And just this past Thanksgiving, I even asked him, I said, Grandpa, who was your like, best friend growing up, like as a kid? And I could see him just start going back in time in his mind. And he starts smiling before he even says anything. He's like, my cousin Joe. He said, my cousin Joe, we used to go and have a good time. He said that, uh, that Grandpa would ride his horse, his horse. <laughs> I've heard stories from my grandparents here there, too. His horse, lightning. Lightning, woo, lightning could move. And Cousin Joe had a mule. He rode on his mule through town. That's how that went down. One time, here's a funny one. Grandpa must have, he was, his older brother, he was, uh, he must have been a little ornery, all right? So his older brother was out to get him. He was coming after him to put it on him. And so Grandpa's running. He's running. He climbs up a tree, and his older brother's coming up the tree after him. (laughs) And Grandpa chooses to to pee on him. so that he would not come after him, right? I, I know Grandpa more just by asking him some questions. I, I now know, I know Grandpa more. I've got more stories. There's some great ones. Um, <laughs> but I know him. I am closer to Grandpa because I've asked a silly question. I had no frame of reference of what the 1940s were until I started asking questions. I wasn't there, I didn't experience it. Be genuine, ask questions, you'll learn some fun stuff. (laughs) Last one, and this is really once we start connecting. Once we start connecting, let's forgive quickly. Let's forgive quicker. Scripture tells us to, Jesus did for us. Let's forgive quicker. And let's start filling in things with positive assumptions. When there's anything left for interpretation, rather than just assuming the worst and assuming negative intents in play, let's assume positive. Let's fill in those gaps with positive we get all bent out of shape sometimes over something that never existed because we we assumed the worst. Anyone with me on that? Ever been there? Let's assume positively. I want more connections in my life. I want true connections with all sorts of people. I want differing thoughts, differing opinions, I want someone that's going to challenge things for me so that I can understand something differently. I didn't know what the 1940s were like until I talked to Grandpa. I want to know more people and get into their lives and know them better. Because it's human nature to cling to what's common, it's human nature to cling to what's comfortable. So we have to be intentional to step out of that. It's time to be adventurous. It's time to step out of our comfort zones. Who wants to live life and toward the end of it be like, man, I lived it as comfortably as possible? That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Oh, I was just as safe and comfortable as I could get it. Think about, think about those that you admire in your life, whether they're close or or whether it's someone, a public figure, think about those that you truly admire in your life. And does it scream out at you that they just lived as comfortably as they could? They probably pushed through several things that were extremely uncomfortable to grow and to get to where they are that made them so admirable. So push out of your comfort zones. Let's grow together, and the worship team can come. I've got a little bit more to go here, so hang in there with me. Um, because this is the part that uh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you is the the hardest part. This is uh, I was preparing for the sermon, and honestly, I. Tara was helping me because I had block. I mean, I was blocked. I couldn't get past it. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I just started typing like a madman, like it was flowing through me. And I believe that God gave me this message to the point where I'm gonna read this because otherwise I would be afraid that I butcher it, okay? But please hear my heart through this. Okay, I believe that God has this message for us, and we've talked about the digital age that we live in. We've had those conversations here where the digital age we live in with social media and so forth, it's distanced us as humans, right? There are medical studies that have proven that we literally care less about each other because of the digital age we're in. Because of that distance, we don't have human interaction. Even a text message isn't the same as hearing someone's voice and talking to them, OK? Some of you young guns are like, oh, here, sound like a <laughs> gazer up here. But there's truth behind. I mean, it's proven. It's proven. We, we dehumanize one another through this digital age. And I'm just I'm throwing caution to the wind. Let's be mindful of that, OK? Think about the bashing that takes place on social media. Um, You know, I I know people that have bashed presidents on social media, and then they met them in person. They had the opportunity to meet the president, and all of a sudden, they're the most amazing person on earth because they met them face-to-face. But on social media, you were just crushing them, right? If we get face-to-face and we have conversations, things change. Hang on, this is another human being. Amen? So here I go. Lord, help me. Something else that social media has done has caused us to have tunnel vision. All of our friends that have the same thoughts and opinions are posting things that cause us to have no diversity of thought. The algorithms used in social media will keep feeding the same things to us over and over again, causing us to have the same train of thought over and over again. It has caused, it being social media, has caused more division than we may realize because we have no appreciation for any differing opinions. In fact, we belittle them. We paint broad strokes over them. We're closed-minded to anything that doesn't line up with our current beliefs and thoughts. And since we don't understand them, we don't even believe that someone else's experience is actually true. We dismiss them. For instance, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech was 100 years after slavery was abolished. 100 years after they abolished slavery was I Have a Dream speech. Society didn't believe there was still racism, even though segregation was actively there at every water fountain, in every bathroom, in every restroom, it was in their face, but they didn't want to believe that it still existed. Society still doesn't want to believe there's racism. But when I look into North City, St. Louis, in our own town, In areas of poverty, I see a common thread. Just because I don't see the everyday lives of people struggling with poverty where violence is among the worst in our whole country doesn't mean that their daily struggle doesn't exist. Although we recognize Martin Luther King Jr. today and we should, at that time, the chief of the FBI was out to get Martin Luther King Jr. watching his every move. Martin Luther King was arrested 29 times and ultimately assassinated for simply trying to help us all treat each other as people equally. Martin Luther King Jr. just wanted to sit at the table together and see little black boys and black girls be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. Kind of like when Jesus himself said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And although Martin Luther King Jr. pushed nonviolence, he considered himself to be a pacifist. He believed that violence only caused more division. Martin Luther King Jr. was still seen as a criminal. Kind of like Jesus. When they crucified him, as a criminal, even though he was truly innocent through and through like no one else had ever been, yet they crucified him. And when he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If you all can join, stand to your feet. I'd like to, uh, in this moment, I would like to give us an opportunity to, to proclaim our faith in Christ. I'd like to give us an opportunity to commit our lives to Christ. If you haven't already done that, if you haven't already done that, this is an opportunity to make the best decision you can possibly make. This is, this is eternal life. I wanna give you an opportunity to commit your life to Christ, or maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ here today, and I wanna give you an opportunity. What am I doing up here if I'm not giving you an opportunity to give your life to Christ today? So guys, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna say this prayer, but please hear me. This is not a magical prayer. There's no magic in this prayer. The magic is, are you truly believing that you are a sinner living in sin, and you need to repent from your ways, give your life to Jesus Christ, and believe that he died on a cross? for your sins, making a way for you to have eternal life. That's what this is about, is what's going on in the inside of your heart. Do you truly believe that Jesus died for your sins? Amen? So I'm gonna say this prayer, and I ask that you say this prayer with me. And if it's your first time, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to publicly declare that you are giving your life to Christ, and we're going to celebrate with you. Amen? All you believers, amen? Amen. Like I said, if you need to recommit your, your life to Christ, here's an opportunity for you as well. But for those of you that have already given your life to Christ, I ask that you say this prayer with me for the benefit of the others that are giving their life to Christ and making this awesome decision. Amen? All right, so say this after me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I choose to believe in you. I now believe that you died for my sin. I have faith in you, Jesus. I give my life to you. from my sin and live for you Jesus you are my everything and I am living from you from here on and Jesus